Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I mean, growing up, I knew I was going to be tall. I definitely, I, I, I really liked watching kind of how John goes about everything just as a professional, from a professional standpoint, just because he, he takes care of his body unbelievably well and he competes really hard. So I, I like seeing how he handles tiebreakers or being a, a situation where he's down break point on his serve. And that's really been, been helpful for me seeing a guy like him, him do that because at the end of the day, I mean, we are similar and we definitely get into similar situations on the court. Hey everyone, John Wertheim here. It's this week's Sports Illustrated slash or dash tennis channels, tennis podcast beyond the baseline. Our guest today, 19-year-old, 7-foot-tall American Riley Opelka. He's officially listed at 6'11", but after covering the NBA, we know that uh, only people do that is because they don't want people to get psyched up to play against a 7-footer. He's 7 feet. He's also an exceedingly nice kid. Um... 19 years old, and uh, I think you'll really enjoy this conversation. He uh, presents well, had a lot of interesting things to say, may need to work on the, uh, the nutrition bit of his game, but seems, uh, seems fully aware of that. He's in San Francisco playing a challenger-level event. He was in Dallas last week playing a challenger-level event, and two weeks ago he was in the main draw of the Australian Open where he went five sets with David Goffin, who's now a top-10 player. So let's bring him in from San Francisco it's Riley Opelka. Welcome. Hey, John. How you doing? Good. How you doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. What's What's this like? I mean, let's let's just get right into it. What's What's life like for a nineteen-year-old uh, player trying to build his ranking? It's uh, you've been to Australia, you've been to Texas, now you're in San Francisco. What's pe- pe- people say? What's it like out there? What do you tell them? Um, there's um, there's there's ups and downs. <laughs> there's a lot of ups and downs, and um. I would say it's um, your you, your body just has to get used to a lot of traveling and and a lot of playing. I mean, I went pretty much like back to back. You know, I lost to Dallas less than a week ago, and um, you know I'm out playing Monday night in San Francisco. So um, 
and next week I'll be in, in Memphis playing as well. So, I mean, you're always adjusting to different conditions, um, different time zones, and um, it's uh, physically and mentally, it's pretty difficult. What, what do you do for that? I mean, what what are people telling you? And from a physical standpoint, uh, what, what what are you doing to stay fresh when you're on the road so much? Um, the the hardest part for me is is dealing with different different time zones. Right. Um, uh, in the past, that's kind of known. Um, for in Australia, I mean, I remember I was I landed and uh, I was just dead, and uh, <laughs> and I was I was just fighting to stay awake. I think like two Red Bulls the first day to keep my eyes open. And uh, that's actually been pretty helpful for me. Uh, that's something I've kind of learned to help help keep me awake. But um, also, you know, it's it's difficult going. Like Australia, I was on the plane for 15 hours, and then, you know, three hours later I was on the practice court. So um, the, the the traveling and, and dealing with the different, different time zones and conditions is, um, I guess, some that, Hopefully, I'll get used to it a little bit more, and it won't be as difficult for me in the future. You're seven feet tall. You show that boarding agent your uh, you show that gate agent your boarding pass. You walk down the ramp. You turning left or right when you walk onto the plane? Oh, to Australia, I was making a making a left turn. All right, good. So at least uh, at least you're not seven feet tall and coach. Yeah, yeah, no. To uh, on my flight to Australia, I. Uh, I, I had to go business class, and then um, I mean that was huge. Um, and and then normally when I'm flying just domestically, I just the, the best seat for me on the plane is the exit row. Um, so I always make sure I get that seat um, in advance. You, you got to take trains. Um, so let, let's talk about Australia because I, I saw your match there and uh, was really impressed. You had a rough you had a rough draw first of all. Yeah. Uh, you. Drew uh, Gofan, David Gofan in the first round, and you know now player on the cusp of a top ten. First of all, did how did you prepare for that? I mean, you you had a couple days, you knew who you were playing, you couple of keystrokes, and you can find all sorts of video on him. How how did you prepare for your uh, for your Grand Slam match down there? So I um, I qualified, so obviously I was pretty pretty comfortable with the conditions of the courts there, and right. I, I had plenty of matches and everything. Um, I was playing good tennis, so at that point it was just trying to trying to keep. So I, I had two days after I qualified um, before I played, and I knew, like you, like you said, I knew I played golf and right away. Um, I practiced um, just once a day each of those days. Uh, I remember um, I hit for like an hour and a half each day, and I was just kind of keeping in mind that with him, I know that my serve is going to come back a lot more than than it would than it did in the qualifying round so um i played a lot of tennis from the baseline um i did a lot of two-on-ones um and uh and just kind of practice a lot more knowing that i'm not going to be in comfortable situations as much with him and um and that's kind of exactly what happened i I actually didn't serve my, my best against him either and um the ball came back a lot and i was pretty pretty comfortable from the baseline for the most part. I mean, I uh, was pretty pleased with, with how I played and, and um, the fact that I really put myself in a, in a chance to win the match, and I definitely feel like I didn't serve my best. How'd you hold up physically? I mean, that's play, you're, you know, you're at four all in the fifth set and uh, Grand Slam conditions on a pretty hot day. How'd you, uh, how'd, how'd you come out the next day? I mean, I was a little fatigued, but 
But um, the next day I was fine. Um, I mean, I, the, ne- the next day my body was, was, was pretty good, actually. I mean, I was definitely fatigued on the court towards the end of the match. But, um, but I've, I've practiced in the off season. We, we played plenty of five set matches, um, just to, just to kind of prepare for it. And, um, and that, that's definitely helpful, but, um, I, I hadn't really played five sets of tennis, you know, that against someone as physical as Gossett. So, um, it was kind of, you know, it was my first five setter, but, um, yeah, physically I was, I was I was fine the next day. Had I won that match, I, they would have been. I wouldn't have been worried about. I was pr- pretty much fully recovered the next day. Yeah, that's what so. I was going to ask. You, you would have been okay to play uh, to play two days later. Yeah. So what do you? Yeah, I mean, definitely. you're you're you know 19 years old, and you're playing a guy. Mm-hmm. Here's a guy who's you know again he's he's right around the top 10. Two rounds later, he plays Dominic Team and beats him worse than he beat you. Are mm-hmm. Are you coming out of Australia thinking like? We're, we're doing pretty well here, qualified and went five sets with, you know, a, a top-tier player, or, or is that loss stinging yeah. you? I mean, how, how, how hard did you take that? I mean, I, I moved on pretty quickly um, just because I, I know that I knew I had a, a pretty busy schedule coming up. Um, yeah, it was a bummer. Like, there was a, a break point I had in the fifth, and um, I thought I won the point, and, and he hit a – an unbelievable, he had an unbelievable get and um, hit a ball right off the back of the line. And you know, I think back of that. Oh, if I, I don't know if I, if I, if I came in there, if I would have even hit a volley, if I wouldn't let it go, let it go because I thought it was going out. I don't know. At that point, I thought about a lot on the flight back. That's for sure. Um, but I moved on for the most part, and it, it was a good feeling knowing that. Um, I mean, the best feeling was was knowing that I didn't serve my best and. Um, I, I played with him from the baseline, and um, I mean that's that's definitely a good feeling. With my game, I feel like if I'm serving well and I'm I'm, I'm hitting hitting my forehand well, I can I'm going to be in the match. I'll be in a in a competitive match with, with a lot of guys just based off of my my style of play and and my serve. You know, the um, I mean I, I feel like it's it's a weird situation. You're you, you can't get through an interview without the inevitable Isner comparison, right? Yeah. It's like it's like you get a free pie if you make it through uh, an interview without a John question. But I I do think, you know, you're you're in a unique case where I'm not sure there's you, you've got a couple inches on him and a couple inches on Karlovich. How do you sort of there, there's no model? I mean, there's no real predecessor. When when you and your coaches talk about game plans and talk about recoveries, how do you deal with the fact that there's no other player seven feet tall that's that's been out there? And how how does that impact you that there's really no com- basis for comparison? I mean, it's definitely, I mean, it's, I'm right up there with height-wise with John and Eva. I mean, we're just, I mean, if, the littlest bit apart, if anything, and uh, if even, but... Um, I think he got him by a couple inches, I don't know. And, uh, and uh, I don't know, just, um, I mean, growing up, I knew I was going to be tall. I definitely, um, definitely uh, watched a lot of John's matches and and um, and kind of, I've, I've, I really liked watching kind of how John goes about goes about everything um just as a professional from a professional standpoint just cuz he he takes care of his body unbelievably well and um and he competes really hard so I, I like seeing like he's he's always been great for me to watch cuz I like seeing how he handles um tiebreakers or being a, a situation where he's down break point on his serve um 
and and that's really been 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 helpful for me seeing a guy like him um seeing a guy like him do that because at the end of the day i mean we are similar and and we definitely get in similar situations on the court playing tiebreakers and right, and right. having critical moments where being down break point for us could almost mean being down set point so if it's early on in the set and um you know watching him deal with like those pressure situations um is is really was critical for me to see growing up my return game is as important as my service games confirm or deny um, do, you, do you feel that way i don't you don't um, I mean, it, it is, I mean, return, the return games are huge and I, and I've, that's something I've, I've really improved on. I've, um, I've played every, every return point a lot harder, um, in the last year and a half than I did when I was like 16, 17. But, um, but at the end, the, the thing that's, that's tough when you're returning for me at least is um, when you're playing the best guys in the world, it's so hard to break now. I mean, especially in the, the conditions in Australia, they're pretty right, fast. Right. You could, if they do everything right and they do everything, uh, you know, if it, uh, you know, some of the best players in the world, if they do everything they're supposed to do and they take care of everything on their side of the court, they're going to hold. And, um, I mean, for the most part. And, um, and for me, that's, that's where, um, I think a huge improvement of mine is just, being physically and mentally in better condition to, to play every point because well, there's going to be times, there's going to be a few moments of the match, a few games of the match where, where they're, where they're going to slip mentally or, or they're going to give me a few points. And that's when I have to be ready to, to, to try to take a, take my chance and break. Right. Um, so you, when you won, uh, when you won junior Wimbledon in 2015, uh, yeah. I don't know if you remember, we, we did a 10. Ten- so you were asked, uh, you, I think you, you came up to the roof, we did a fun thing for Tennis Channel, but you were asked, uh, yeah. so, someone in the press room said, oh, you know, ha-ha, you've been eating your spinach. And you, you said, no, actually, <laughs> I, I eat cheeseburgers, Lucky Charms, and, uh, and I like Chipotle. What's your, yeah. uh, what's, what's your diet these days? Um, could be better. <laughs> it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty similar. Um, I, I love Lucky Charms. Um, I, I mean, I eat a little, I definitely eat healthier, but, uh, but you can ask Tommy Paul, he can, he can confirm. I definitely, uh, definitely can cut out some, some Lucky Charms in my life. <laughs> That's like my go-to breakfast. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but it's, it's, it's improved a little bit. It's, it's something that I feel like once I get, get to, once I get even a little bit older that I'm going to have to have to really like change at some point. Cause I mean, I'm 19 now, and and I I don't really feel like my diet affects affects me on the court yet. And um, and talking to you know, John John is a perfect example. I mean, he he's like very strict with his diet, and and he he's always like enjoy those enjoy those days while they last because they don't say. they're not going to last too long. Um, that's for sure. He he always is messing with me about that, and because um, I mean, I'm, I'm sure he's right. Sounds more into Apple Jacks, I think. Um, are you, uh, <laughs> in, like every 19-year-old, Red Bull is your uh, your beverage of choice? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, I, I drank one actually last night. I played, I, I, I didn't get on till, um, till 9, around, or 8.45 p.m., 9 p.m., got off the court around 11-ish. And um, <clears throat> I actually drank one for, at, when I was having dinner before a match because I was feeling 
feeling a little bit drowsy still, kind of getting used to the time change here. It's flying from Dallas. We're two hours behind out here. So um, definitely that's my, my better choice. The kids today. Um, you, you sound like a college kid. You've, you've got uh, – yeah. I mean, your, your friends, your friends I assume you grew up with who are – you'll probably you, – I guess you'd be a sophomore, right? Um, yeah. You ever think, like, these guys are having fun and drinking beer out of a funnel and eating Lucky Charms and I'm stuck in the Stuttgart airport? And, uh, I mean, do you ever think, like, boy, being a college sophomore would be kind of fun right now? Yeah, I do. Um, I did. I like, like you said, like, like being at the airport by yourself. That's when. That's when I think about the like think about those times. I'll see like a snap story of someone in college, one of my friends in college. I'm like, oh wow, <laughs> that looks like the life. But, but when I'm when I'm with my when I'm not alone, like when I'm with my friends, which is most of the time when I'm with Tommy, Francis, and Taylor and Michael Mo, I'm not thinking about that. I mean, those guys are like those guys are my best friends and. And for the most part, I'm with at least one or two of them um, at all times on the road or training in Orlando. So, so they they keep it really fun. I mean, that's what honestly I, I couldn't imagine doing it without them. I think Taylor Fritz and Michael Mo both have parents that were pro players, and Francis has his his interesting origin story. How how'd you get into this racket? Uh, definitely not not as um, not as cool stories as Francis or or you know Taylor's most parents having backgrounds of tennis but um my my I got lucky I think my my dad actually ran into Tom Gullickson um at a golf course in Palm Coast my dad not didn't know anything about tennis and uh, I don't even think he really knew who goalie was and um we just moved to Palm Coast my dad was just golfing on his own and and goalie happened to be there he just got back from a from a trip from a tennis tournament and um they were just looking to go was looking for someone to play with and ever since they became really good friends and eventually um kind of got me on a, got me on the tennis court with gully and uh and uh that's been the story ever since he's been he's been awesome for me how, how tall is your dad six six all right so, so he, he tells gully I've, I've got a big kid who uh might might be into this might be into this tennis sport. <laughs> yeah, for sure, <laughs> for what? sure. Goalie, I remember it was interesting. Goalie was always, I mean, because goalie, goalie worked with some with Todd Martin. I know he used to always talk about just kind of been around him. And goalie was, I think that's what kind of made it interesting for goalie too, because he never really like developed a a player that he knew was going to be six six. He thought, I mean, we thought it'd be over six six, you know, and um. Uh, I think that was kind of what made it interesting and kind of cool for for Tom, or unique that he never kind of had to develop a player with the mindset of this guy is going to be probably six eight at least. Yeah, but I mean that's what I was talking about before. That I mean Todd, Todd Martin was a big, you know, big big guy out there, but you you've got six inches on him. I mean this is yeah. Um, how, what kind of sacrifices did your parents make? Oh, uh, a ton, a ton. They did. So, they did. Um, so yeah, Tom, Tom moved to, um, to LA to coach at, uh, at Carson, um, USTA in Carson. And that was when I was, so I, was, I think I was like 12, 13 maybe. And, um, <clears throat> and, uh, the USTA had, had, uh, invited me to, to come be a part of their full-time program. And, um, 
my my parents and I didn't really want to move into the dorms just because I don't know if I if I move into the dorms I'm 12 and I stay there for five years I mean feel like I barely even know my family at that point right so um, they made a pretty big sacrifice my sister as well um, she she uh, gave up her kind of you know I mean she was willing to do it she kind of wanted to change actually but she was in high school in Palm Coast and she was willing to move to to Boca which actually I think was worked out great for both of us she loved Boca and and I love Boca as well and uh we just had a had a a condo me my mom and my sister my dad still stayed in Palm Coast for his work and uh he'd come down whenever and we'd kind of go back up to Palm Coast on some weekends but we made it work and uh and then once I was 15 um when my sister graduated high school and went to FSU my uh, I moved into the dorms with my my roommates uh Tommy Paul and Taylor Fritz. So and then, Fritz was kind of in and out. And what about the decision to turn pro? I mean, something we, we've talked about a, a bunch on this podcast is this decision. Do you do you try to go to college for a few years and have that safety net? What went into your decision? How how close were you to uh, to playing college tennis? How much of this is just I'm, I know what I'm doing and pr- pros the route for me? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I. For me, it was fifty-fifty for for the most part. I mean, I was my my top two, three schools it came down to were US, um, USC, and TCU. And um, I was talking with all three of those coaches pretty seriously, and um, and um, kind of was leaning uh, was definitely leaning a little little to going to college to college at one point, and. Um, and I, I, I had a good. I definitely had a good fall. I remember in 2014, I won. I won Eddie Her, right. was in the semis of or, of Orange Bowl, and um, that's when uh, we kind of started talking as well with with some agents. And um, you know, I realized that you know I had a pretty good opportunity on the line, and and tennis is something I've always loved doing, and um, I was pretty confident in myself. And I turned pro in April of 2015, but. But it definitely wasn't wasn't easy, and um, and uh, I, I honestly, I mean, to, it, it, it's not easy. But at a, to a certain point, the decision also kind of makes itself, in my opinion. That's what I would tell like some younger guys that are thinking about it. But the decision makes itself. If you have the opportunity with with endorsements and, and contracts to to support yourself, and it, and you love doing it, then then do it. But if if the funds aren't on the table and then it just turns into too much of a grind, and and I would say, I mean, go to college because college tennis is unbelievable right now. It, it sounds it sounds vulgar to say this, but the the endorsements were enough, so you didn't have to worry about money. I mean, you you had some USTA support, you had some the, the finances made it so you didn't feel yeah. like every match was uh, you you were looking at prize money. It, yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, if you're living off your off your prize money in the, in the future, it's even a challenger level. I mean, good luck. Yeah. It's, uh, it's not, it, 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 yeah, there's no way. I mean, that could be, that could be fun. And, uh, but, um, I, I think that's, that's where I, I always think, I mean, it is a tough decision, but at the same time, if, if you love what you're doing and, and that's, you have that opportunity, then I'd say the decision makes itself. But, um, but I'm curious to see kind of what the young guys do, the younger guys that, that kind of, Looked up to our generation because this is, this has been the most unique one in a while with 
Looked up to your generation, dude. You're, you're 19. Um, no, I mean, yeah. I, I think I think you're right. You win Junior Wimbledon, it's one thing, but uh, you know. No, but I'm just saying. Like, I hear you. you. See, like the 12, you see, like some 14 year old, right, 14, right. 15 year old at USDA, or even older. I mean, they all of us turn pro. Right. It doesn't mean it's that doesn't mean it's the right thing for everyone. So I'm curious to see kind of how how it uh, affects some of the young guys. Right. No, and you you know you guys you guys were winning. I think wasn't it all, all four of you won a different Junior Grand Slam? Is that right? Yeah, three, all three, three of us: me, Tommy Paul, and Taylor Fritz. Yeah, that's that's a different. Um, I think I think you're the youngest person we've ever had on this podcast. Will you, will you give us like one cool hip phrase that the kids are saying? Oh, um, we have we have uh, like a ton of slang at USTA. I don't even know where to start. You ever heard "cash me uh, outside"? That's what my kids are saying. Oh yeah, everybody knows "cash me outside." How about that? Yeah, of course. Jamie, That's, you know uh, that? That was pretty popular. We have a young Tom, producer. Tom Brady. Yeah. Tom, Tom Brady, Brady said that? Tom, yeah, Tom Brady said it. Oh, boy. Um, but but seriously, you're you're 19. You look out there, and, and you're almost half the age. I mean, Federer, Serena, Venus, they're almost twice as old as you are. Is, is this something mm-hmm. with, with these ages now, obviously, changing with careers getting longer? Is this, is this something you see yourself doing another 15, 20 years? Definitely. I mean, as of right now, it's, it's 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 easier for me to say. Being you know, I'm a lot younger. It's 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 different. Like you know, 15 years traveling on tour and and you know, beating up your body and making a ton of sacrifices. I don't know if I, I'd be saying this in in 10, 12 years from now. But as of right now, I mean, I I would want to. I'd love to see myself playing tennis for as long as my body body could, and that's kind of what I've been doing. Um, Lately, I've been spending a lot of time making sure I'm healthy and staying physically fit, thinking long-term wise, knowing that I want to be be doing this for um, 14, 15 years, 15 more years at least. And, uh, and it's pretty—I think it's pretty cool to see see guys like like Roger. Um, obviously, always cool to see him win a slam. But guys like Evo, even 38 years old, and right, right, playing 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 the best tennis tennis of his career. I was thinking too for for someone with your physique, it, it sort of cuts both ways. I mean, obviously, you know, it's it's you, you got a lot of pounds yeah, on you, but you're also probably not grinding it out from the base. I mean, you look at Evo, and those are yeah. those are short points, right? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, once I can, I think once I get through my my growth phase, I still feel like I'm growing and kind of growing into my body. Once I can kind of get through that, um, I think uh, I think like you said, I, I play a different game style than. 99% of everyone else on tour and and um and it's something that that I can that can my body can kind of hold for you know like I'm not playing too many 20 34 rallies right but that, that's why I think going you know going four all in the fifth with uh with GoFan really ought to provide you with some encouragement but you, you said you're still you're still growing yeah I think I think I'm still growing seven seven feet's not, not enough you want you want to you want, you want to go I mean, Yao Ming here? I wouldn't be surprised if I had another inch in me, um, but we'll see. It's it's definitely slowed down. There was a time at the USTA. It was um, as soon as I moved, they were checking my height and weight every month. And there was a time. There was a ridiculous streak I had where I grew a quarter of an inch or more a month every every month for like three years straight or something. Two two and a half years straight. 
Oh man. It was it was insane. I mean my my growth was like ridiculous um through through age like fourteen to sixteen. There there are a lot of uh there are, you know Isaiah Thomas? There 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 are a lot of athletes that oh, would yeah. kill for that. There are a lot of athletes that would kill for that. Let me let me ask you this. You um you look at the top players and they make a lot of money playing tennis, but they make more money from endorsements and off court income. Yeah. Um are you are you at a point where you're thinking about things like media and image and marketing? Is that is that something that's already entered? I mean, you, you know, I mean, honestly, you, you come across great. You're you're 19 years old. We've had a very nice conversation. Um, is that something that factors into your thinking? I mean, are, are you thinking about sort of how I'm going to present myself to the world apart from hitting a tennis ball? Uh, me, not at all. No, I don't. I don't really. Um, I don't really think that way. Um, just because. Um, I, I try to keep as much about the tennis as I can, and uh, and that just kind of helps me stay focused. But I don't know, I, I I I definitely like like I think about it when I'm seeing other athletes. Like I don't know, I got to see some guys and I, I follow the NFL and the NBA a lot. Like I, there's some guys in in the league out that I can that you can see like some some stuff that. Yeah, I mean, you, you, right, right. That's a good. Yeah, you see, you know, Steph Curry presents himself very differently than Demarcus Cousins. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But some of it, like I always, I always been a bigger fan of the guys that that are more natural about it. You know what I mean? Give me, give me an example um, of someone you uh, who's 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 an athlete you you admire. Like uh, Clay Thompson. I like I like Clay. He's kind of like. Um, I mean, like you said, Curry's the talk of the talk of the team and kind of the talk of the NBA. And no matter, a lot, I mean, he always is a lot, like all the time. And uh, and Clay's just kind of, I, don't know, I feel like he's a little bit more. Uh, yeah, right. I, know, I feel like he kind of yeah, background guy. He, yeah, he's more kind of laid, laid. He's not in. The, he's a little bit more laid back, but he's he's just as important to the, to the team as anyone as anyone else. I'm, I'm, I'm sure everyone on the in the NBA knows that, but, um, yeah, kind of like how he, how he goes about everything. You, you are older than Pete Sampras was when he won the U S open. Um, yeah, obviously the, these, the sort of time frames for tennis players have really shifted, but Big you, time. you look at, uh, I mean, you, it's, it's, it's almost funny to go, I mean, you have 16 year olds winning, uh, winning majors. Uh, you know, Andre never, Agassi, never, yeah, never happened again. Right. Ne- never happened. Not even close. So why? So why is? I mean, we were, we were joking about that. We said, you know, Agassi was this huge disappointment, and he had to wait until he was twenty-one years old until he won Wimbledon. Um, yeah, that's nuts. Why? Uh, why when, now that, that you've been out there, nuts. I mean, we all we talk about sort of the the physique of the tennis, and you need the fitness base. But you have thoughts as as an athlete why that is? Yeah. Um, because physically and, and, and mentally um, are obviously critical in tennis, but um, to to be able to to hold up to win a Grand Slam physically, um, it's I don't see any I really don't see any teenager being able to do it. And if and the way I, if if Kyrgios wasn't wasn't able to do it, and I mean he's still. He's turning 22. Right. Um, if he wasn't able to do it under 21, then 
guys like Nick, I mean, it's, I think that he's probably about as close or as good as you'll you'll see at that young of an age, in my opinion, if I had to guess. And same with, like, Zverev. I mean, if those guys aren't aren't winning a slam, they're as good as as good as you can be right. Um, right. at that age. And if they can't do it, it just shows how how tough how tough the sport is. I mean, physically. I mean, he, for, you saw Zverev play Nadal. I mean, oh, it's like by the end, it was like a UFC fight. You wanted the guy to like tap yeah, out. I mean, uh, ten, ten, tennis wise, Zverev was was more impressive than Nadal, in right. my opinion. I mean. And you look what came down in the fifth set. He was cramping, and physically he was he was done. Right. And right. and then there's there's a mental component to it as well. I mean, look at look at when you played in the Don and Wells. He was the better player in that match too. And the match point when he missed that volley. I mean, that's just right. Like, you know, it's just a little. Bit, I, well, I thought you were going to say Curious. Curious seems more a mental issue than than a physical issue. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, the, yeah, that's probably a good a good example as well. I mean, he he. Um, but this, this takes pressure people, off pe- you. People, 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 people talk like, like with Curious. I mean, he's he hits the ball just as well as anyone. I mean, he could. That's what I was saying. If, if he hasn't been able to win a win a slam, like a guy like him hasn't been able to win a slam under twenty one, it just shows. I mean, it's almost impossible to do. So how does this? I mean, I, I think it's interesting from your perspective. Where on the one hand. I, I imagine that might take some pressure off of you. That hey, look, this is a long game, and you play till your mid thirties, and no one's a disappointment if they're not winning majors at twenty one. But you also want to keep making progress. How how do you balance sort of a longer shelf life for a career with look? I don't I don't want to stagnate. I want to keep getting better, even if it's not realistic to say Riley Opelka is going to start winning majors before he turns twenty. Yeah, it, I mean, it, it definitely. Um, you, I, I'm in no hurry, and. With with my with my tennis to 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 be at my 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 top level, but um, and I don't know if that's because of my my size and physically and how much more I need to develop and stuff, and or if it's like you said, the fact that I know that <laughs> that the best 21 year olds in the world aren't aren't really haven't really come close to winning a Grand Slam either. Um, there's certainly some guys out there a lot closer than me around my age, but um. But yeah, I mean, I'm pretty patient with myself, and I know that that, I, like you said, I got 15 years here, so um, I'm not. I'm just kind of starting out, and uh, I'm in, I'm really in no hurry to. Um, and I, I don't put pressure on myself to uh, to try to be the first one to do it or, or race to get there. You know. Last question: You a dog guy or a Federer guy? Oh, uh, um, I've never. I, Nadal, Nadal's always been uh, like when I was younger. I used to love, I used to love Nadal. That kind of changed as I got older. Um, it's it's so hard. I, I couldn't. I really couldn't root for. Yeah. I really wasn't rooting for for anyone in particular in that final. They they both been like unbelievable for for the sport, and it's pretty. It was pretty cool to cool to see that see that matchup. Good answer. Um. Hey, this was uh, I enjoyed this. This this was fun. I really uh, I appreciate yeah, this. No, and you, you. Uh, we we want to see more of you. This was uh, it was good stuff. <laughs> Thanks, Ron. I appreciate it. All right, keep uh, keep improving in the rankings. We'll start seeing you in main draws soon. <laughs> we'll do. Thanks again. All right, take care. Thanks, Riley. All right, that's this week's 
Tennis Channel Sports Illustrated podcast. Thanks to our guest, Riley Opelka. Really enjoyed that. Talking to a uh, teenager can be a fraught exercise. That was not fraught at all. Uh, what a likable guy and seems uh, to have real perspective on what awaits. So we wish him luck. Again, 19 years old uh, in tennis is not what it used to be. Plenty of time, plenty of road ahead. Uh, thanks to Riley. Thanks to our producer, as always, Jamie Lasanti. I'm John Wertheim. We will have a new guest next week on the Sports Illustrated Tennis Channel podcast. Have a good week, everyone. We'll do it again in seven days. Mm-hmm.